and welcome to Big Business Briefs. We normally finish the show with a giggle, don't we? Let's start the show with a giggle this time. Sorry we've been away for a little while, but life sometimes gets in the way, work sometimes gets in the way. And uh, it's good when it does, actually, because it means that there's work to be done. So Yeah, but we're back. We're back. So uh, back in the seat, back in the hot seat and uh, raring to go. So, yeah, you're listening to Big Business Briefs. <laughs> With me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And we did wonder whether this week's topical conversation was a little outdated. But it's a little bit like the gift that keeps on giving because a little while ago there was the big story about P&O Ferries sacking everybody um, and then re-employing agency staff. Uh, and we did think that had run its course, but actually it got us to thinking about who the hell thought that was a good idea? Yeah. And how's it playing out now? How's the reality playing out? Were you surprised when you heard about it? Yeah, on the basis that it's almost certainly illegal, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and uh, having done a little bit of reading um, since then, it definitely is because uh, the employees' contracts, they work in the UK, even though they might have been employed by subsidiary companies uh, in other countries. If the bulk of their work is done in the UK, then they are governed by UK law. In fact, if they weren't, it would mean that companies in the UK could get away with an awful lot of stuff by just registering in another country and then yeah. saying, oh, we're going under that country's law. You know, so factory down the road could say, oh, no, we're, we're going with... We're choosing to use... Yeah, whatever country's got the yeah. <laughs> easiest employment yeah. law. And, and that's and what we're going to go by. And safety and then, you know, like we well, just choose... But that that is the, exactly the point, isn't it? Because um, this is the thing that's been playing on my mind. It's P&O Ferries, hasten to add that it's ferries and not P&O Cruises, yeah. who Heather's just pointed out have been quite keen to... They're um, desperately trying to demonstrate. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're very different. Yeah. Um, but they've very clearly broken the law. It's been stated that they've broken the law and they've broken the law from the point of view of not having taken consultation into account. So that's where if, if there's more than 20 employees at risk of redundancy, then you have to consult the employees, normally through using unions. Mm. Um, and, and that's a three-month consultation period and they just ignored that. Um, but also then hiring people to do exactly the same job, so it's obviously not a redundancy, mm. but also hiring them at below minimum wage. So, so much law has been broken. And and the thing that worries me is you just mentioned health and safety. So oh, it's okay to break the law with employment law, is it? But where do you stop? Do you then go, oh, well, let's let's just ignore that health and safety law? Yeah, because it, yeah, it, it's good enough in... A different country, you know, we can do it in that country, so we'll, we'll just follow those rules yeah. rather than... And, um, and it's all of that that it brings for me, is that what is this the thin end of the wedge with, with companies not bothering to follow or flouting the law, openly flouting the law and going, yeah, we're not going to do that. We were going to fail if we didn't do that. I mean, yeah, the most companies that are considering doing this are doing it to avoid some, some issue, but... If, if every company could do that and, and get an easy route out of the situation, then... But we don't even know, unless I've missed something somewhere, we don't even know that this, that this decision was made 
to save the business? Or yeah, so I just that in, save... a, in a conversation. So they'd said, I don't know where the evidence is, that the business wouldn't have survived without making this decision. Okay. And the other thing, because it was done via a sort of a Zoom broadcast, so wasn't I hadn't it? seen that. That's dreadful, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But so there's a couple of things. So, right, who was the person who was on the Zoom broadcast? Who who was was the person or people within the organisation who signed off on this as being okay? I would hope that a HR department went, no chance, you can't do this. I would hope that the legal department went, no chance, you can't do this. And then somebody higher than them went, we're going to do this. I'd hate to think that the departments that are supposed to keep um keep the company in line with law, law yeah. um, would, would at least have said no but but also because my understanding is that what they what they actually did was they they tried to get people to sign acceptance of a deal hmm. a sort of severance deal and if people had signed that then there's you know there's the the chance of recourse of coming back and saying this was unfair dismissal has been eliminated. So I think they were trying to get people I'm sure to agree. that can't be the case, though, anyway, because even if you do that with more than 20 people, you still fall under the law of, of you have to do consultation. Yeah, but I don't you know... You can't just make individual agreements with all those people, surely. I don't know. if they. I don't know if they did a sort of... Um, what do they call it? Uh, I'll hit the desk. What do they call it? <laughs> NDA, non-disclosure yeah, agreement. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That sort of thing. yeah. I don't know. I mean, and this is the whole problem with it, isn't it? It's muddy in the waters for companies that follow. I think the worst case scenario is that other companies that potentially are struggling uh, and and you don't want any companies to struggle, but how do you define struggle? Does struggle mean that they can't pay their dividends that Mm, year? Does struggle mean that they can't quite make as much money this year as last year? Does struggle mean that they're going to fail? You know, there's mm. there's a massive wide band yeah. for struggle. But then does that just give an easy option for companies to say, well, I'm not going to do the consultation period. I'm not going to pay minimum wage. P&O got away with it mm. with 800 employees. Yeah. So I'm going to do it with 30. Yeah, and I also, I can't possibly imagine that, you know, some of the roles will be very skilled. Yeah. You know, if, if you if you drive a family, well, they, haven't they had some uh, some issues now where they've been um, they've been stopped operations because of health and safety concerns? Yeah, so because they haven't got trained skilled workers yes. doing those jobs. So, yeah, it's a, it's massive. a complete nightmare. Yeah, isn't it? it is, and I, and and of course, it's not in business. It's not always possible to do. It's not always easy to do the right thing. And sometimes you take a judgment, don't you? So if you know you're close to the close to the legal limit, you can sort of weigh it up and do a bit of risk and reward, can't yeah. you? I, think, I can't honestly think somebody looked at that scenario and went, yeah, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Because the shit show that follows it surely isn't worth it. Yeah. As P&O Cruises will attest. Yes. The, I mean... But, yeah, and I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know if you do about how, you know, when the separation between P and O ferries and P and O cruises took place. You know, yeah. it's it's in. I mean, you know, it's not recently. I don't think. But when, you, but when you think of P and O, you do think of them being the, brand. the same. I would have guessed it was the same. Yeah. yeah. 
So then frantically now, P&O Cruises, including in their adverts, we are nothing to do with P&O ferries and it's business as usual as far as we're concerned. But there will be some damage yeah. to their business. And but I wonder then, so if P&O Cruises, presumably, uh, they appeal more to uh, the consumer yeah. to okay. buy a cruise and they might be more uh, likely to vote with their feet. So if they're going to choose between that cruise company and that cruise company. Yeah. In the light of this information, maybe the consumer feels like the best thing they can do is to choose another cruise company. Yeah. But take the scenario where it's ferries and what you're doing is working in a really tight transport industry mm. and you've got to get your goods over the sea and you've got to take the best price available to you. P&O ferries is an option. Mm. You might not be able to vote with your feet. Yeah. And you might just have to carry on using P&O ferries. Maybe that is where they did the what's the risk and reward with this. Because where are people going to go? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, so the transport companies that are using them might go, well, we, we don't care, that's okay. So yeah. you're not potentially dealing with the same potential Yeah, it's the B2B yeah. versus B2C, isn't it, I suppose? Yeah. And I think maybe that's that's potentially where they've made their decisions, like what's the risk? Okay, we, we, there might be um, a bit of bad publicity and we might be called up in front of the commons, but ultimately we're still going to make money. We're still going to um, get business. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's, well, it's wrong. Yeah. We know it's wrong. I think I would underline that. They're, yeah. they're just, you've, you've got to hope that, you've got, I think you've got to hope that there were people saying, no, we can't do this, just because you can't just ride, ride rough, roughshod over 800 people. I, I would like to hope there is some legal consequence as well, some, some consequence for not having followed the law. That's Otherwise, the law is just an ass, really, yeah. isn't it? Well, and why would any other company follow the law mm. if you can save an awful lot of time and money by ignoring those laws? Mm. It's, it's a slippery slope. Should we move on to yeah, cheerier let's things? Let's move away from piano ferries, yes. shall we? Yes. Okay, yeah. let's move on to children's literature. Yes. That's lovely. I enjoyed researching this. So we were um, we were just looking at Heather's bookshelf a few weeks ago and noticed a, a couple of books in there uh, that were aimed at a younger audience, I would say. And we, we got chatting and we thought that actually there's a lot of wisdom comes from children's literature sometimes there's there's metaphor mm. so you, you can read the metaphor and sometimes it, it's really obvious yeah you know it's blindingly obvious and you can translate that into a business setting one thing i found useful recently with training is you're trying to teach somebody to think about something they normally do but you want them to think about it in a different way yeah and sometimes providing them that perspective from a different angle. So one example I used recently was what if you were an astronaut or what if you were a Formula One pit stop operative? Yeah. What if you're Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all of yeah. those sorts of things. Yeah. What if you're the Gruffalo? How would you approach it like that? And I think it can, those sorts of stories and those sorts of um that imagery and metaphor that you can use can be valuable from taking lessons, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I use quite a lot of play in the training that I do. You know, there will always be a play element. And and it's not... And that's why I like you to train me, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> With 
Exactly. It's, and, and that, you'd be amazed at how it, it taps into a different part of people's brains and they actually enjoy it, but they're still learning. Yeah. And that... I think one of the biggest things is you'll get somebody who can't get out of the their fixed mindset. And so when you start to talk about Winnie the Pooh, that immediately their defences will go up because oh, this isn't this isn't serious, mm. this isn't business. And they're the hardest ones to work with. It's like what, what I'm trying to do is to give Get you a different yeah. point of view. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think once you start play, it's a great leveller. You know, when, if you get a group of men blowing up balloons and, you know, doing things with that or spinning plates or juggling or, you know, it's... It's a great level, and women, yeah. but you know, it's a great leveler. It's a, it's a, it's a common thing because in the workplace, you don't do stuff with balloons. So nobody's like, oh well, I can't do that because that's part of your job. It's like, no, we're all mucking in. So, it, and and of course, children's literature—that's the whole reason why it exists—is it helps children to make sense of the world that they're going to be growing up into, in in palatable chunks. Yeah. And and so yeah, so I've got yeah I've got quite a few, a few things, um, that that just explain things easily. But so talk us through the books you've got there in okay. front of you. So it? just so the ones that I've actually got. So I've got a book called The Huge Bag of Worries, which um, essentially helps us to get some perspective on what we concern ourselves with, what we worry about. Basically, the story is a little girl who's got a bag full of things that she's worried about and they're like sort of gonks and she meets an old lady and the old lady says that's a very heavy bag what have you got in there she says I've got all my worries in there and so they take them out one at a time and examine them and decide that some of them aren't actually their her worries at all they belong to somebody else so now you could make that serious and say oh that's Stephen Covey yeah with a circle of influence yeah, can yeah, you yeah or yeah. you can have a big bag of worries that you sort through one yeah, at a time exactly yeah. And actually, when I'm training, I refer an awful lot to the way that we communicate with children and the way that children behave, because we've all got our inner child. So, yes, it is the, it is the circle of concern, you know, and influence, you know, what are you focusing on? But again, when you're feeling overwhelmed, we all know. We just take a step back and get an old lady to help us look in the bag. It's not as scary as, as we thought it was. So that's that one. And I love that one. Um, there's a, a Michael Rosen's sad book which talks about death um, but it also I think it also helps us to recognize that sadness is a natural emotion and um, we can, can be I have a look at that sure thing yeah well we can be sad about things at work um, Michael Rosen with illustration by, by Quentin, Quentin Blake, Blake. yes Lovely. yeah um, so so there's a serious story in there and then one that a lot of people will have heard of which is the cat in the hat yeah, and now the cat. Doctor Seuss is uh, Seuss, brilliant yes. for loads. And I think the beauty of of Doctor Seuss's work is that there are some really positive quotes. Um, you know, the story about the cat in the hat. Okay, really, but um, for example, why why fit in when you were born to stand out? If you apply that to the marketing of your business and to the offering of your business, um, the more that you read, the more the more the more you will know and the more that you learn, the more places you'll go. That's about, again, in business. Um, sometimes the questions are complicated and the answers are simple. Again, you know, we overthink stuff. Yeah. So so I, I, I really, I just think they, 
they apply they can apply to the world of work massively it's it's from the babes and mouths kind of thing from the mouths of babes from babes and mouths from the mouths <laughs> of babes yes even that yeah even that what did you what have you well come across I, I had a look through a few articles and none of them really um struck a chord with me because they were picking different books to ones I would probably choose. Yeah. Um, I, I found a few references to books that I knew and loved, so I thought I'd mention those. But one thing I wanted to say was, if you look at social media, and particularly the visually um, strong social media platforms, yeah. Instagrams and Facebooks, is that you can virtually guarantee that if there's a post with Winnie the Pooh or Charlie Mac, is it Charlie Mackey? Mackie. Yeah, yeah, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the yeah. yeah. Um, if you have like a picture and a quote, yeah, that that will get shared, yeah, so many times. Yeah. Uh, even in a business forum, yeah, you know, you, you share that, and people will connect to it, and they'll understand the message. That gets shared way more than say a pearl of wisdom yes. from a business guru. Yes, that so Winnie the Pooh is loved yeah. worldwide. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and very wise. And very wise. Yeah. 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 So Winnie the Pooh, I've got to say, for me, for brilliant quotes, yeah, 100%. But um, there's also, I was reminded of the very hungry caterpillar. And it's it's about evolution and change, mm-hmm. isn't it? And, you know, the, this, like, growth. Yes. Actual physical growth. Yes. yes. And then changing from one thing into another. Yeah. I, that was my absolute all-time favourite book, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And I, when I think about it now, it's a very visceral feeling when I think about holding that actual book and reading it with my mum. It's very strong. But, uh, yeah, I love The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And then I was also reminded of The Magic Faraway Tree oh, by Enid Blyton. I remember, Do you remember that? book, but I don't remember. It was a whole series, wasn't it, about the faraway tree? I remember that, but I don't really remember much about it. Oh, it's... Um, there was a uh, Joe and Fanny and um, the magical folk of the faraway tree. Okay. Uh, and they go on adventures and each of the stories you learn a lesson. And it's just, I love that the whole enchanted wood and anything can happen. Yeah. And, you know, we, all, all sorts of adventures. And um, I think what I read in this article was, was this, um, let me see, where's the author of this article? True Education Partnership. So they okay. were talking about uh, using children's books um, with life-changing lessons. And in this one, they said it's about magic inside and outside. And to to still keep that magic, to use your intuition, and then, you know, just to be open to amazing things that come along as well. It's like, I really, really love that whole series and I can't remember the details of it but that it's remembering that hope and that expectation that things can be amazing and magical and things can change and you've got magic yeah and that whole again it's quite a visceral feeling for me yeah yeah, I remember that and that sense of hope sometimes you just need reminding of hope don't you (laughs) Um, well yeah and also that you you know you of course you know, in business, in life, there are external forces that, that impact. But you do have an element of control. And sometimes you feel, you know, you don't have any control. You know, what, particularly at the moment, you know, what, what can, what's going to, what's around the corner? What can we do about it? But it's focusing on the bits that you can control and change and influence. Yeah. Um, so I, I also picked up on Peter Pan. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so this yeah. this sense, uh, there's a quote from from Peter Pan: "The moment when you doubt you can fly, you cease to ever being able to do it." Yes, that's a yeah. very good learning. Well, point. yeah. My, I mean, my favourite quote, which comes from, um, uh, I think it is a Doctor Seuss one, which is the "What if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly?" No, it's a Roald Dahl one, I think, and I use that quite often. Um, no, it's not. It's Winnie the Pooh. What if I fall? Oh, but my darling, what if you fly? Yeah. And it's that whole... Um, so sometimes when I'm working with people, it's it's fear of success that holds us back, yeah. not fear of failure. And because, you know, what would that be? What would that look like? What would people think if I suddenly move to be successful? Or if I win that big piece of work, you know, yeah. I, then that would mean that I would have to deliver it. And then that would mean... And what, uh, and they hardly dare dream that big. Yeah. Okay. And then my favourite Winnie the Pooh. I, I, I dare you, as a listener, to just put this on, on Facebook with a nice picture, and see how many retweets you get. Oh, the whole... that's Twitter. I'm mixing my metaphor, mixing my social media platforms. Put it on any social. Put media it any platform. social media platform and see how many people share it. And it's that classic quote: "You're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think." Yeah, and yeah, for anybody who who needs that today, can I can I just give kudos to Roald Dahl though? Oh, Roald because Dahl, because he yes. go on. Um, Throw some to me. So um, he says, somewhere inside all of us is the power to change the world. Uh, However small the chance might be of striking lucky, the chance was there. That's from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But but one thing that he said, um, not in not that he said for himself, not within a children's book. I began to realise how important it was to be an enthusiast in life. White, hot and passionate is the only thing to be. And that's certainly true. If you're running a business, if you're trying or if you're, you know, forging your career, find something that you feel passionate about and and people will just respond well to that and yeah. it will energise yourself. So find your passion. Brilliant, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, you should all go and have a look in the children's section of yes. the library yeah. or have a look in, in the charity shops at the children's books yes. and see what you can, what wisdom you can pull out of there. Or go and read a book to your grandchildren or your own children. There'll be something in there, won't there? Oh, gosh. I, I could say Julia Donaldson. That, they were big books mm-hmm. when I was reading to my mm-hmm. kids. Yeah. And we used to love all the Julia Donaldson books. I, I don't even know where to begin with all the stories from there. But I can remember all the voices we did and the songs we'd sing. Yes. <laughs> I, won't, I won't regale you with any no, of no those sing, now. No singing. No no sing. sing. I, I just discovered Room on the Broom with my little niece. Oh. You know, and that down says the witch. Yes, (laughs) and you know, and that there's life lessons in that. Anyway, you get the gist. We're (laughs) we're quite. um, We like we like all books, don't we? We Including children's books, there is value to be had it from a business perspective with uh, children's literature. So. Go and look on different shelves, potentially, to get some inspiration. And particularly, if you're building training materials, there's so much that yeah. you can you can pull on. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just dry academic stuff. See what I the avoid, can say. I try to avoid dry academic stuff at all costs. I just kick the bin. Sorry about that. <laughs> Glad you didn't say the bucket. I just kick the bucket. <laughs> right. Okay, profile. Yes. Okay. 
This came about because we were talking a few weeks ago now about John Lewis, weren't we? That's right. So it was just after we'd finished talking about John Lewis and uh, we looked at uh, Pippa Wicks' profile, mm, mm. a British businesswoman and executive director of John Lewis and Partners. So we were looking at John Lewis having taken away their strapline of never knowingly undersold. Yeah. And how brave that was. Yeah. Um, and she she came under a lot of criticism. Now I've looked at her profile. Mm. Um, a lot of the um, hits on Google when you were looking were people criticising her for leading John Lewis down that path. But I can understand absolutely why she did it. And interestingly enough, other hits that you find when you're looking up Pippa Wicks is that she's like the, the queen of the turnaround. Sorry, the turnaround guru, not queen, oh, yes. guru. We haven't used the word guru we for ages, used guru. Have we? No, I've missed guru. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're talking about a guru. We used to talk about gurus a lot. Yeah, and now, now we've got a turnaround guru. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she's got a history of turning companies around, and I guess that's what John Lewis needs. And this change of strapline, well, maybe that's all part of her plan. Mm-hmm. I imagine that it is. Um, and... In an article that I was reading um, in Drapers Online. Oh, yes. From October last year. um, They did suggest then that there were signs of recovery. Um, It was then behind a firewall, the rest of it. So it's a bit difficult. I I didn't want to subscribe to Drapers Online. But uh, (laughs) the article by Isabella Fish um, recognises that um, there was still a lot to do to restore it to its former glory. And as I read that, I was wondering, will it restore to its former glory or will it morph into something new and different? Mm. This is the hungry caterpillar. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. So does it just want to restore itself as a caterpillar? Or is it time for it to emerge? go into the cocoon and emerge as a beautiful butterfly? Yeah, I mean, she certainly seems to um, really understand the... The transition to online sales, you know, uh, as part of the pandemic, she also seems to recognise that um, the they have a, they have a part to play, particularly because of the likes of Debenhams and people who who could be considered to be their competition having disappeared. Yeah. House of Fraser. So so they've actually got more opportunity to tap into the high street market yeah. as well as um, benefiting from the yeah, fact that people cer- go online certainly more. certainly gaps in the high street. Yeah. It's whether John Lewis is the thing to fill those gaps, I guess, and that's what she's needing to work through. Yeah, and, and, and she also, I mean, there's... Um, there's oh, where was this from? A, a retail gazette she, um, she was talking to, and she was talking about how... Um, they closed. They 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 temporarily closed some stores during COVID. Yeah, and we knew they they stopped the bonus, but they've brought that back this year, yes. haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Then they reopened some of those stores for a short period of time, and but now they've they've subsequently closed again. Um, but she also talks about um, the fact that when you go into a shop, there are other things with within the store. You know, so they have. Um, 
I think they have some hair salons, but they have things like, you know, curtain making services and, you know, which you can do online. But there are some things that you can go in store and have that buying experience. You know, that takes me back to my childhood. I'm having a really nostalgic evening tonight. Why, where have you gone Um, now? I've gone to Lewis's, which isn't John Lewis, I don't think, but Lewis's in Hanley. So big department store. Yeah in Hanley and Stoke-on-Trent when I was a kid. And they did have all these things in the store. Mm-hmm. So there was a hair salon. Yeah. And there was the drapery department in there. All, all different sections like yeah. that. But, yeah, I'd forgotten about the hair yeah. salon. Lots of department stores had hair salons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and the beauty counters. But, you know, the, the, not just, you know, like, you know, the make, you could have makeup trials and things like that. You could have, a, you know... Um, what else did they used to have in? Um, so my dad worked in a very old-fashioned department department store when he first started work, and they had like a millinery department and haberdashery oh, yeah. and you know all of that sort of thing. But yeah, you you did um, you did have more than just come in and buy a pair of curtains. So think think she's identified that there's there's still a market for that. Because More there are service, some yeah, yes, yeah. because there are some things you do need. You can order it online, but you take a risk, don't you? Yeah, and it sometimes it, feels nice. Say if it was several hundred pounds you were spending on curtains, you might want to talk to somebody in person about. Yeah, that, and you want you? might want to feel the fabric, and you might. Whereas if you just fill in the details online, and then you just get up and yeah, and you're like fit. it's oh. complete yeah. So I think um, I think she's sort of got her finger on the pulse with that. But yes, yeah, so she's she is reimagining it from yes. um what it currently is and she might be taking some of the stuff back from the glory days. Yeah, it, I think I she's... say glory days, we didn't know any different, did we? So no. 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 But one thing that I couldn't help but notice, um, and I think we may have touched on this uh, in the past, but when you look at the John Lewis board, lots of women. Lots and lots of women, and not very many men. Uh, and and that in itself, I think. So they've got um, the chair of the partnership is Dame Sharon White, the chief. Who finance- we've talked about. Yes, yeah. the chief financial officer is uh, Berenger Michel, female. Um, and yeah, actually, if you go to their website and look at their board, um, where are we? Yeah, so we got. Sharon White, Nikki Humphrey, um, Andrew Murphy is the Chief Operating Officer. And we've got a female, a female, a guy, and then uh, yeah. Executive Director, female. So at the time of her appointment, she was one of five on the board. That's still the same now, is it? Yeah, one, two, yeah, three, three, four, five. Oh. Six. Oh, no, that's, sorry. The, these are the, uh, that's the board, the Executive Directors. Oh, right. okay. Uh, three, six, seven. And only two of them are men. Mm, interesting. Well, Pippa um, wasn't just appointed because she was a woman anyway. No. She's got quite a background. Um, she studied zoology at University of Oxford and then later studied at uh, the London Business School. Uh, she got a diploma in corporate finance Um and her zoology degree was a Master of Science from Oxford, I believe. Um, but she started a career um, with a strategic management company, Bain & Company, which I, I don't know. 
um, and went on to be CFO of Courtauld Textiles, which I do know. Yeah. Um, and then she um, went to work for a division of Pearson PLC, so a business education provider. And then she joined uh, another consulting company, um, uh, this is Alex Partners. And uh, then she went on, so she spent a good time with Alex Partners, went on to be involved with the co-op when they were rebuilding and went through a difficult phase there. And she joined them in 2013. Uh, she became Chief Operating Officer and Deputy Chief Executive. And um, then she's also been involved with Hayes PLC, Labrokes PLC, Hilton International PLC, Arcadia PLC as a non-exec director and lots of other things, including the being the chair of the Foundation Council of the Royal Botanic Gardens Q. Wow. Wow. Quite a varied career. Zoology, I mean, it's a bit of a leap, isn't it, to, to retail? Yeah, but I think it's a really good example of... Um, when you talk to people who are choosing a degree, is is actually sometimes the subject matter doesn't matter. If you're going to be a surgeon, then I imagine Probably, you really do need yeah. to do a medical degree. But in a lot of careers, it's just being able to demonstrate that you have that level of learning and that yeah. level of intellectual ability. Yeah. The subject matter doesn't ne necessarily matter yeah. because you, you'll it? learn when you're actually in, in that career. Yeah, like I say, there are certainly notable exceptions to that rule. Yeah. But I imagine in um, business management, and then she did go on to get um, the the business, London Business School qualification. So <laughs> she's not without. No, no, without, no, no. It just, it's, it's, again, it's that classic, you know, where you start, where you start from and where you. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder why she didn't stay with zoology. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I suppose it's that classic. Sometimes somebody gives you an opportunity and then you, then yeah, you, you end up it. on a different bus. Maybe there weren't that many opportunities in zoology either. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about I the world know. of zoology. I've visited the zoo. <laughs> does it make yeah. me an ology? No, it doesn't give you an ology, does it? No. But clearly very knowledgeable, very experienced, um, and has got her work cut out, uh, but seems to be taking the ball by the horns and... And getting stuck in, which I think, um, but such a difficult time is, yeah. is quite a. I, I I get a sense that it it's um, something we need to follow. It's at the start, at relatively start of this turnaround period, and uh, I wonder which way John, uh, John Lewis will go. Uh, hopefully, it will survive. It's a very interesting background, John Lewis, and. Mm. Uh, She's yeah, saying that they're not going to close any more stores despite the fact that two-thirds of their business is online now. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's Pippa Wicks. If you look for her on Company's House, she has no current appointments. And whoever it is that wrote her Wikipedia um, page needs to just adjust her date of birth because uh, according to Company's House, it's December 1962. Wikipedia is just a bit, oh, it's 62, 63, I don't know, something yeah. around it, Well, it's at the end 62, which is almost 63, yes. It's, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it's a long labour. <laughs> but from New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on what's happening with John Lewis and... Uh, 
no doubt be talking about it again within the next few years. <laughs> no, we still haven't got an outro. <laughs> he looked all expectantly at me. No. <laughs>